Hey, Fellowship Mosaic. Um, I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with anxiety, depression, and codependency, and my name is Jane. Hey, guys. Um, we want to welcome you to a new series that we're starting this year for the next few weeks um, over Celebrate Recovery, which is a ministry of fellowship. All across our campuses, we're doing this series, um, and I have a special experience getting to walk through it because I am serving as a resident with Celebrate Recovery this year with their student ministry called The Landing. Um, so I've been able to personally see the effects it's had on people um, and the family and freedom found through this ministry. So um, I just invite you guys to open your hearts and your minds as um, we start this series um, to just learn about Christ's love and and care for our health um, and for healing our hurts, habits, and hangups. So um, with that being said, if you guys will stand up with us, um, we are going to sing praises to our Lord who has given us immeasurable um, mercy. Praise the Lord, His mercy.
Y'all go ahead and have a seat. My name is Matt Natzel. I work with the kiddos here. It's good to be with you. Uh, if this is your first time, we just want you to know that we're really glad that you're here. Uh, at Fellowship, we say that all are broken and all matter and one gets the glory. And by that, we mean this, that all are broken by either their own sin or by the sins committed against them or by just existing in this fallen world. Uh, that all matter as image bearers and as people redeemed by the love of Christ. And one gets the glory, that God's the only one that is worthy. And so uh, we're beginning a three-week series tonight, and uh, it's it's about, in, uh, sorry, I'm introducing you to Celebrate Recovery if you're not, uh, if you're not aware of what that ministry is. Uh, it's a ministry for anyone who's ever felt stuck or felt broken. And so uh, since Mosaic is a church where all are broken and all matter and one gets the glory, then CR is about as kindred-hearted as a ministry partnership can be. Uh, we'll be sharing vulnerably. We'll be celebrating God's kindness to bring each and every freedom in all of the hurts and habits and hang-ups that plague each and every person. Now, I sent an overview email to the middle school families this week because it's a, a next-gen service, so they're in here worshiping. If you didn't get that, I want to know. Just grab a quick picture of my email address and let me know or, or catch up with me after service. I want to know that you didn't get the communications because that means something's messed up, and, and I want you in the loop on things. But the gist of that communication was this, that your home and this church, and really I hope every church, is a place for vulnerability. It's the place to do 
it well. And so if uh, I, I would just encourage you that uh, to let your middle schoolers hang in here and sit through the service and listen to what's going on and let their hearts be sparked by what they hear. Um, my whole Natesel crew is going to be in here, second hour, sitting over here, the, the six-year-old up to the 12-year-old. And we're just going to we're gonna ride it out, and I'm sure that they'll have questions. They're in here now to watch the baptism in a minute, and I'm excited about that. Hey, elementary kids also all here to watch. Way fun. Way fun. All right. Uh, but before we get to that, um, if you want your middle schooler not to be in here, you're welcome. When these guys stand up, I'm going to take the, anybody that wants to go, and we'll go up and sit with the middle schoolers, and we'll join service with them. So if, if you're just like, I just don't, I, I can't do it. That's fine, but I, I challenge you let them hang, okay? Um, All of us have issues that make living in the freedom of Christ a challenge sometimes, but none of us want to make these things our identity. And so at CR, we introduce ourselves this way. We start with, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, because that is an unchanging identity statement. If you are a believer, you are a grateful believer in Jesus. We're defined by the one who redeems us. And then we name our struggles so that we aren't like Adam and Eve in the garden, hiding from God in the shame of sin. And I personally, in in my times around CR and in my own step study, I've experienced what James 5.16 describes, that I was able to bring my sin before God and be forgiven, and then able to bring that confession to a community of brothers and to be healed Now, people won't name every sin they've ever committed. It's a long list. Uh, But rather, an area or two of current focus that they're working hard to bring to the Lord and let him work in. And they might also give some area that they're currently experiencing freedom where they once only experienced shame. And then we end by saying, my name is blank. And everyone says, hello, blank. It's kind of nice, call and response. So tonight, I will say, Hello, everybody. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus who struggles with compulsive behaviors, especially around food and my phone. And my name is Matt. Hey, man, it's good. It feels good. All right. Uh, I'm excited to worship together tonight. And about the best celebration that I can think of is celebrating a baptism. This is someone who just is most definitely a grateful believer in Jesus. And he just wants the rest of the world to know it. And so I want to introduce you to Adam and Christy Morris and their son, Nate. Hello, y'all. Well, thank you all. Um, As... um Matt said, my name is Christy, this is Adam, and this is Nate. Um, Adam and I have been attending Mosaic um, for about 14 years now, which makes Mosaic the only church home that Nate has ever known. And so we want to take this time just to say thank you for all of those of you who serve in the children's ministry, because we know that you have had an impact on Nate being here tonight. Um, When Adam and I found out that we were pregnant with Nate, we started praying that he would come to know Jesus at a very early age, and he did. And over the years, he has really, um, he loves to read his Bible. He likes to ask difficult questions about God and Jesus and heaven. He loves to pray for his friends, whether they're sick or whether they're struggling, he can always be counted on praying for them. Um, And so a few months ago, he came to us and he said, I wanna be baptized. And we said, Nate, why do you want to be baptized? And he said, 
because I love Jesus and I want people to know it. Nate, do you believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to forgive you of your sins? Yes. Nate, it is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Turn to the crowd. Wave to them. Man, thanks so much, Nate, for letting us celebrate with you tonight. I want to invite you to stand. Let's continue in our celebration, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Don't you know he's worthy tonight? And don't you know you're safe with him in this place? Christ is my firm foundation. He's the rock on which I stand. And everything around me is shaking. And I So I will 
Those who put their faith in Jesus, you will never be disappointed. You will never be let down. Sing this together.
Mosaic. I heard my name over there. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I celebrate recovery from abortion. I struggle with depression, fear, and the effects of adult ADHD. My name is Susan. Hi. I'm going to share with you the eight principles of recovery based on the Beatitudes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. These are the foundational truths upon which our healing is built. We read these principles every week in CR because they remind us that our recovery is a process and that the process is made possible only by Jesus. I will read the eight principles. Please join me by reading the corresponding verse and reference. Principle one, I realize I'm not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Happy are those who know that they are spiritually poor, Matthew 5, 3. Principle two, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him and that he has the power to help me recover. Happy are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5, 4. Principle 3. Consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Happy are the meek. Matthew 5, 5. Principle 4. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Happy are the pure in heart. Matthew 5, 8. Principle 5. Voluntarily submit to any and all changes God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Matthew 5, 6. Principle 6. Evaluate all my relationships. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others when possible except when to do so would harm them or others. Happy are the merciful, Matthew 5, 7. Happy are the peacemakers, Matthew 5, 9. Principle seven, reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. Principle eight, 
yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and my words. Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires, Matthew 5.10. Hmm. Um, I'm terrified. Um, I'm nervous. I feel tempted to lead out of a place of ego and wanting you to like me, and I don't know how to correct that other than confession. As a husband, um, I'm really sarcastic with my wife and not in a good way. Um, it's an undertone of anger and it regularly hurts her. Um, as a father, I've become really impatient, so much so that foyer right there on Christmas Eve, um, one of my boys threw a glow stick and it hit me in the face and there was a, a subtle rage within me. Um, it was just in the eyes and then I quickly turned on that, that kind of pastor smile and welcomed you into these services. As a friend, um, sometimes I think more about what I want to say or um, how I want the relationship to go rather than just being empathetic and listening. And uh, as a pastor, I regularly feel tempted um, to people please and to lead, whether it's on the stage or around coffee tables or in small groups, um, from a posture of ego and uh, not from the, the feet of Jesus. And uh, if you're new and before you think I'm having a mental breakdown, <laughs> um, I'll stop there. But I need you to understand that I am approaching this as a learner. Um, and this is a place where as we dive into this series, we just want to check our pride at the door and come ready to see what Jesus wants to do. And uh, I don't know how else to start this conversation other than my intro, which is, hi, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, celebrating recovery in areas of lust and anger, who struggles with anxiety and depression. My name is Colin. Come on. Um, and while the principles, all of them, as you noticed, are rooted um, in Matthew out of the Beatitudes, one of my goals as a teacher in the, the next year um, is actually to do a better job of creating space for less information and more transformation for us. So what I would love to do is um, take a moment just to create some space, and then we'll read the scripture together and talk through the principles. So if you would, um, just close your eyes and uh, remind yourself in this moment of God's deep love and affection for you. And if you would um, stand with me, ready to receive um, the word of the Lord. Matthew 4, starting verse 23. Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill, with various diseases, those suffering with severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan 
followed him. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside. He sat down, and his disciples came to him. And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is the word of the Lord. Y'all take a seat. <sighs> um, three things I want to do for us tonight is uh, just point to three truths. As we go throughout the series, some of us have done Celebrate Recovery, some of us are in Celebrate Recovery, and some of us maybe are about to do Celebrate Recovery. And uh, our hope in this time is actually to, to model some of the things that take place in this room on Friday night, for us to get to experience that as a congregation, as well as to get to experience it out in the city in our small groups. But three, three truths for us tonight. Truth number one, um, celebrating recovery is a part of the Christian journey. Um, celebrating what God is doing in and around me despite my sin is present very, from the very beginning of following Jesus. Uh, I love how every principle in Celebrate Recovery is gonna correspond to a beatitude. And uh, as we just read through them all, um, I think there's three bad approaches to reading the Beatitudes. You ever read the Beatitudes? The Sermon on the Mount? So good and so confusing, right? I mean, here, here we go, and you come to this text, and, and I think there's a couple of different lens we could take. One would be that of religion, uh, rules, that Jesus is saying, hey, all you people, these sick people I've just healed and I've cured, invited to follow me, come do these things correctly and then you get heaven. Is that what Jesus said? Not at all. Another way I feel tempted to do this is through self-help, right? Like these are suggestions to live the good life. That's what it means. Blessed is happy. So pick some of these, choose some of these, try them out, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. You get a healthy, wealthy life. Is that what Jesus means in these? Or, or another view might be me stepping in as these are unrealistic expectations. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, I read some of these and I'm like, ooh, that doesn't quite define me right now. I think the, what the Beatitudes are meant to do is exactly what Jesus says they're meant to do. It's the gospel. It's what God is doing in and through you, despite you, right? If you look at the, the Greek, the, the term there is, we say bless, and it's kind of like that, bless your heart, right? Like in our culture, we can hear that and think, oh yeah, bless his heart. Like a, a nice way to say something mean about somebody. But if you look at it, it actually, some of the phrases here, it, it translates from Latin to meaning supremely blessed, uh, happy, the, the good life, what? wrapped in joy, and then we get these characteristics. See, I think when we read the Beatitudes, we have to read them in light of what Jesus is doing in and around us, not what we can do for him. Uh, on another way is, I love that it actually is that these sick, these lame, these demon-possessed, the, the irreligious, not even welcomed into the temple. I love how Matthew shows this is the crew that Jesus is inviting to come be not just his followers, but to advance his kingdom and they're formerly demon-possessed. Most of them, some of them don't even have education. Tax collectors who kind of sold out on Jerusalem to go to Rome. That's who you want to use to bring in the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, yeah, this is a portrait of my kingdom. The Beatitudes, they, they give us a description, not of what we have to do for God, but what God is doing in and through us because of the gospel. 
One, one pastor, he's pastored for 50 years. 50 years. Gosh, I hope that I have that in me. Uh, 50, his name is Daryl Johnson. He wrote, he said that the Beatitudes are qualities of people who are living in sync with the reign of God. The Beatitudes are the qualities of people who are living in sync with the kingdom of God. He said this, none of us can produce these qualities. So can you just take a deep breath? You can't do it. Jesus did not come to Galilee looking for Beatitude people. He could then call into his kingdom. No, Jesus first called the ordinary broken people to himself and into his kingdom as a result of contact with him. As a result of submission to his rule, these are the qualities he describes that are beginning to appear in the lives of his disciples. And so we'll we'll take some more time, but I hope as we approach this series tonight, you see from the foundation of Jesus inviting disciples to his feet, there's an invitation to not have it all together. Secondly, uh, if you read throughout the entire scripture, it's not the most like amazing heroes, is it? And we're actually given a practice throughout all of scripture, which is the practice of confession. I love how Richard Foster says it, that it's inviting Jesus to forgive and heal and restore me. That changes the way I view confession. Because if it's just me like exposing myself and it's met with a God who's ready to to tear me apart, (laughs) ouch. But if I can actually share and invite Jesus to say, I need your healing, your restoration. And, And a couple of them, one proverb says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses, who renounces, finds mercy. Or first John, I love Natesel mentioned James earlier. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. And this is true for the newbie disciple and the veteran disciple. We never outgrow God's grace. You don't, you don't graduate from have mercy on me, Lord, a sinner. We live in a constant state of needing to turn from sin to the healer, the physician, the master himself, who says he's making all things new. So each principle in the series is actually an invitation for us to begin to open up in such a way that we can be met with God's healing and restoration in our lives. And thirdly, you're at a church that's called what? (laughs) Like this is a congregation where just by walking in the doors without even knowing it, you have signed up (laughs) to say, yeah, I'm, I'm broken. Um, sin has had and done its worst on me, in me, through me, and on the world around me. But, I love Rodney says, God loves us enough not just to to identify and care for us and forgive us in our brokenness, but not to leave us in our brokenness. This is a congregation that just by being in a seat here, you're admitting, yeah, I'm broken, but also I matter. That God loves me enough not just to come meet me in my brokenness, but to restore me out of it. And that's not something I get the praise and glory for. He gets all the glory, all the praise. I I bring nothing but brokenness to the equation, which is what he said in his Beatitudes. And so fellowship mosaic, this, some of us, it feels like we're already at, someone walked in the back and said, is this Friday or Saturday right now? Like, where, where am I? But if Jesus has come to heal the sick and call sinners to repentance, then then this room should probably operate a little more like a hospital than a five-star resort. So, The first truth as we approach this series for the next three weeks and hopefully beyond, because there's a temptation that we could do like, that was a fun series, we don't have to do it anymore. (laughs) My hope is that this would actually be fresh 
wind for who this body is and where this body's going. Um, But celebrating recovery is part of the Christian life. Now, second truth is that you've never met somebody who does not have hurts, hangups, and habits. You, You never met them. Um, I, uh, I found myself like any good pastor on staff does in Rodney's office in tears. <laughs> and it was a season for me where there's a lot of personal unhealth. And uh, I came to Rodney and I said, I, I don't know, I don't even know if I have it in me anymore. And Rodney did a really good job and he listened and was an empathetic friend and he actually didn't respond immediately. And then after about 30 minutes of weeping in his couch, um, he picked up his marker and he drew this on the board. And he said, this is the cycle of unhealth. Every single human being, just by existing in a broken world, is walking this cycle. You don't get to opt out. And it begins with events, that we have things that happen outside of Eden that are hard, right? I mean, there's things that happen to us and there's things that we do to others that it just causes pain and hurts. Uh, We have experiences. I mean, some of the things happening in the news right now across the world, you're just like, come quickly, Lord. Because these events, what what it's showing us is we're outside the garden. This is not paradise. And we feel the effects of it. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's a, a betrayal. Some of us know the pain of church hurt. You know what it's like to even come in this room and experience like, I don't feel seen or welcomed. It happens. You you can't opt out. And then what begins to happen is as the events happen, we all have hurts. Now, you could do one of two things here. You could deny it. You could say, "Eh, I don't have that. That's for someone else. I'm trying to live the happiest life I can. Well, Jesus said, broken are the poor in spirit. So these events start happening in and around us that that we begin to develop hurts and wounds. Um, These things that, uh, whether it's a divorce or um, things that, that happen by others that they do to us intentionally or unintentionally. And then some of us, we, we take that and we actually have harm on ourselves. Or it's just life in this world where there's a lot of chaos. It, it, it has wounds. And then what Rodney began to show me is, hey, with those hurts, you begin to have these hangups, these false beliefs, false core beliefs. See, there's three kinds of beliefs, beliefs within you right now. One is what others think you believe. Two is what you think you believe. And then there's actually what you believe. <laughs> And because of the hurt, sometimes it begins to inform these false lies within us. For me in that season, it was God doesn't love me, everyone is out to get me, and I'm worthless. Those are some painful core beliefs, but even just getting to sit in his office and admit it, freedom started happening. And then what Rodney showed me is, hey, you, if these are your core beliefs, your habits will model that. If this is who you think you are, then this is how you're going to behave. And sometimes that's just out of protection. I've been hurt, I've been wronged, I believe this about myself, so I'm just going to do this behavior out of protection for others not to hurt me again. Or sometimes it's to numb that pain. And so we turn to substances, or maybe it's not even that graphic for you, maybe it's just work. And you you bury yourself in your work or your identity and your family or raising kids, whatever it is. And then intentionally or unintentionally, it begins to have effects on the people around us. It breaks relationships. That we begin to see people um, either as out to get us and they're gonna do harm to us again or as people we are going to harm. And so the cycle continues where we go right back into an event. Because you're never gonna meet someone who does not have hurts, 
hang-ups, and habits. And we could walk this cycle and completely deny that we're even in it. Or, like the principles we're trying to embody, we could actually see what God's doing in and through this cycle. See, at the center of the cycle, there's a life without God or there's a life with God. And as we pursue this, uh, in a life with God, principle or truth number three, you are either going to transmit your pain and hurts on others or you're gonna bring it to God to transform. And that's what Celebrate Recovery is for. It's to come. And I love even on the sign that, that's behind me is pain is inevitable. It, it, it's gonna happen. Because we're outside of Eden and, and, and it is hard out here. That cycle of hurt is all over this room right now. But misery is optional. You have a choice in all of this pain. Either to let it define you and the way you live and the person you become or to invite God in because freedom is possible. And I asked Rodney, I said, hey, when you say freedom, what do you mean? He said, where the spirit of the Lord is. It's not me kind of mustering up enough strength to break the cycle. No, it's actually seeing what God's doing in and through the cycle and joining him in that work. And so we come then to, to celebrate recovery. There's a road to healing that, that we're gonna walk through in these principles. And some of you already have these memorized better than I do. But the first two are rooted in those beatitudes. Choice one, you need to understand these are choices we get to make in that cycle. First is realizing I'm not God. That's a gift, isn't it? One of my favorite pastors is a guy out of South Africa. His name's Trevor Hudson. And uh, in a moment, he was having a full-fledged panic attack, first day opening service for a church plant. And uh, he went to that service at like 4 a.m. Service didn't start till nine and just full-on anxiety. And an elder came into the service or came into the church to prepare and pray. And he came over to Trevor and he, he said, what's going on, Trevor? And Trevor began to weep and say, I don't think I can do this. What if it all goes wrong? What if no one shows up? All these things. And this elder was brilliant. He just looked out the window and he said, oh, look, Trevor, the sun is coming up without you. Let God be God. Choice one is saying, hey, I, I, I'm not God. Take the pressure off. There's freedom there. And admitting, I, I'm powerless to control myself. All my feeble attempts, even just to like change my behavior, I don't even know all the things happening on the inside to make me change my heart. I'm not capable of it. Choice one, admitting that I'm gonna do the wrong thing and I can't manage myself. There's freedom in that choice. Choice two, I gotta get help. Uh, if, if I can't do this on my own and I can't fix myself, I dang sure better not hope other people can do it. So I have to come and I say, God, I, I need your help. You're the great physician. Jesus, one time when he was talking to some Pharisees that were pretty bitter about the crowd that he was inviting to follow him, he said, I have not come to seek out the sick. They don't need a, uh, to, to the healthy. They don't need a doctor. I've come to seek the sick. He says, I have come to forgive and call to repentance the unrighteous, not the righteous. There's freedom in letting Jesus be exactly who Jesus is in our lives. And, and I love in the Beatitudes that, that choice one is rooted in the blessed or the poor in spirit. That, that term means I do not have what it takes within me. I love that, that he doesn't come uh, first to the, the spiritual elites or the spiritual giants. He says, none of you are spiritual elites or spiritual giants. And it's because of that I've come to invite you to my kingdom. 
because it's about what Jesus is gonna do in and through us, not about what we can do for him. And then that second choice, that congratulations, supremely blessed are those who mourn, who grieve. They see the effect of sin in them, through them, and around them, and it makes them weep because we know that we're in need of a savior in our lives and in this world. And by making those two choices, um, we're not actually belittling ourselves, we're actually becoming more human. By, by making these choices, admitting I'm not God, it's not, I'm not in control, I can't run my life, I can't run the lives of those around me and the, the ways and areas in which I'm stuck in this cycle, I can't get out of it. But I choose in this to receive help and comfort and healing from the God who has come to help and heal. And so both of these choices, it, it, it can be summarized in one word, it's, it's surrender. And it might look like a couple of different things for you. One, um, again, we're outside of Eden here. Pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. I have a choice. And freedom is only going to happen where the spirit of the Lord is. So I'm going to take a posture to surrender. And sometimes I hear surrender and I think like this is an enemy out to kill me. <laughs> Just true. There is a surrender to that. It's, it's a life surrendered to sin. For the enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's doing as best as he can, isn't he? So you can live your life thinking, I have it all together, I have it all figured out. Surrender yourself to the mind of the flesh and what the devil's doing in this world. You don't get to, you don't get to choose an option that's not surrendering to someone. So surrender, a life surrendered to sin without God or a life surrendered to the God who is light and love and life. And it could look something like this. These were mine. I need to choose to surrender the reality that I have hurts I've been wounded and I have hangups. I have false beliefs that are so deep. I don't even know them all right now, but I know that they're affecting my habits and it's having detriment to myself, my loved ones, and those I get to walk with in this world. So I surrender to that reality. I choose to let that go. Next, I, I surrender the reality that I'm not gonna be able to fix myself for others. You ever have that feeling where you see a loved one just wrecking their life? I tried uh, just recently. Um, we had a no video game limit uh, during Christmas break. Um, my oldest was able to play unlimited video games until he threw the controller at his brother. And we said, okay, we might've made a mistake here. Um, and everything within me wanted to climb inside his heart and say, what is this anger? That's your brother. And you know what happened after we grounded him from Switch? He pushed him off the trampoline. Because I, here I am trying to maintain this eight-year-old and think, I got this. I, he can't even fix himself, so why would I expect that I could? I surrender to that reality that I can't fix myself, my son, or anyone else in this room. Oh, that's a gift. That is a weight off my shoulders. And lastly, I, I surrender to the reality that Jesus is the only one who can help. If he is the great physician, if he is the master, if he is the king of kings who has come into this world, to call me out of my sin and into grace so that I can walk into eternity with him? <laughs> yeah, take it all, Lord, take the wheel. First truth, celebrating recovery is a part of the Christian life. So if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, it is a life of spiritual poverty and mourning the effects of sin in our life and celebrating how God's changing us. Second truth, you have hurts. You have been wounded and that does not make you weak. It makes you human. And those hurts have informed neurological pathways. I'm not a doctor, but I know some and they've told me some good things. 
It is changing and shaping the way you view yourself and the world out of a place of wound. You have hurts, you have hangups, and hey, we all have habits that we want to see changed. Third, the series and invitation, you, you are going to transmit those hurts and hangups onto others or you'll bring it to God for transformation. Choice one and choice two. And so to conclude, um, because I really do wanna get out of the way and allow God to do what he needs to do in this room. And not just in this room, hopefully outside of it as well. That these choices, maybe you've made them and you needed to be reminded, oh yeah, I need to keep making those. Or maybe you just need to hear the invitation of the gospel tonight to come in this room and confess, I, I wanna choose healing. And that's gonna have to start with realizing I'm not God and asking him for help. So you have a choice. One is to choose to stay in the cycle, take everything we're doing for the next three weeks, crumble it up, throw it over your shoulder. Good luck. The other is to continue to come in this room, not just for the next three weeks, but hopefully for your entire time with this congregation. To remember, yeah, I'm broken, I'm messy, but I matter and he's changing me. And I'm gonna give him the glory for that with every breath I have. So a couple of options. One, um, maybe tonight you just need to acknowledge choice one and two. You need to go, okay, yep, I, I acknowledge my sin. And that's scary and that's hard, but it is biblical. <laughs> or maybe it, it's just trusting. Maybe you're not even there yet. Maybe there's so much ch church hurt or you've been wounded so bad that you're like, I don't even think God loves me right now or that he's with me or for me in my brokenness. And you need to choose to remind yourself and to have faith that this is the God who joins me in my sin to transform it. Three, it's surrender to God's love and power. It's way better than anything you and I could muster up. And uh, the last one is, is maybe consider coming on a Friday night. So we dive into this series um, to see what it's like to actually begin to choose these choices in a community that celebrate recovery. And even that might feel like a ter terrifying decision, which is probably a good thing to say, I think I might need to choose that. And I, what I wanna do to close is actually hear from a spiritual leader I, I've grown to really adore and respect, um, who's actually about two years into her journey of recovery. And uh, when we sat around the table a couple, yeah, last month and said, hey, we wanna share some stories of people in our body who are already on this journey. First name that came up with was Angela Spicer. So Angela, Thank you. Almost two and a half years ago, I found myself in a season of desperation. After 20 years of marriage, I still couldn't fix my husband. What's wrong with me? They keep talking about CR at church. Maybe if I go, he'll take a hint and want to go too. Thank you for laughing. Shoo! <laughs> uh, I started a step study for all the wrong reasons, but it brought me exactly where God wanted me so he could bring about my healing and bring me closer to him. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, and I struggle with codependency, pride, and control. Hi, my name is Angela. I've been struggling with this thing called codependency for a lot of years. Only about 10 years ago did I get a name for it 
and only after starting a step study did I finally make real strides in recovery. Though there are a lot of definitions out there, the five core symptoms of codependency are low self-esteem, people-pleasing behaviors, difficulty setting boundaries, caretaking, and dependency. Check, 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 check. I was emotionally dependent on those that I love the most. And because I needed to be okay, I used manipulation and control to maintain homeostasis. Let's be real. I did not know I was doing this. I thought I was helping. I thought I was lovingly serving my family. You got a struggle, a sin, a mood, anything I don't like, I've got a way to fix it. The problem is that nobody needed fixing. And that control and manipulation masked as lovingly helping added even more problems and tension to the chaos I already felt in my mind and heart. See, what I needed was to recognize that I had been legalistically trying to control everything around me, myself, circumstances, everyone else. I was acting like I was God, vacillating between white-knuckle determination and alcohol-fueled resignation. I was damaging my relationships and my health. I wasn't getting better, despite how badly I wanted to. I was powerless and I was helpless. In the fall of 2021, I began a step study with CR here at Fellowship. I fell into this group of amazing women, everyone with a different and precious story, all of us hurt in some way by just existing in the fallenness that is this world, and all of us hung up with some habit that kept us from surrendering to God. What I found in this group of women was real, authentic, and safe community. I had no idea how badly I needed it. It exposed my lack of trust of other women, and it exposed my tendency to posture or pretend I was better than I was. The way the step study group works, there are pretty strict sharing rules as we work through the 12 steps. These guidelines help nix the narcissistic habit of relating and interrupting and fixing. And it provided a safe context for us all to share and confess, but also to honor each other and to heal and grow in the Lord. I'm forever grateful for my time in CR. I think everyone can benefit from investing in this process to give God context to uncover and heal some of your hurts, habits, and hangups. In case you haven't figured out already, you are, uh, if you're feeling broken, if you're feeling like you've got some things that uh, have you stuck, you're in good company. You're not alone. Um, I'm a grateful born-again believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with codependence, manipulation, avoidance, and my name is Zach. We're going to end with a song of declaration to remember principle number one that we are not God and that our lives are unmanageable and that we cannot control our tendencies to do the wrong thing this is such good news for us tonight because this is a battle that is not ours to fight 
We do not fight it alone. God is with us, and God is for us. And if you're okay with it, I'd love to teach you the chorus to this song so that you can sing it full of faith and full of joy. Some fighting battle you've already won. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. Don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. Some Won't you sing this with us?
is good news. with us. Come in every week, not just in January, not just during a Celebrate Recovery series. Could we be followers of Jesus where all are broken, all matter, but one gets the glory, who know what it's like to experience freedom from, from our pain and our hurts, but we give God the glory in what he's doing in and through us. What do you say? Does that sound like a good congregation in 24? Yeah. A prayer, if you come on a Friday night or if you've been in a step study, there's a prayer that's been used going to use it regularly, and it's one that, um, that I find myself continually needing. And uh, it's a prayer for serenity, which is serenity means calm, blissful, peace. I don't know about you, I want to be a husband, a father, a friend, pastor, 
leads from a posture of serenity. So what I ask you to do now is just with eyes open, you don't have to pray it out loud, but would you just pray through these lines and make it your prayer as we leave this space tonight? Take a moment. pray with me. Come, gracious Father. Uh, Thanks for pursuing us prodigals. And uh, we surrender from being out in the field bitter about how our righteousness isn't cutting it. Come, Messiah and friend Jesus. Would you help us to live and love more like you? Come, gracious Spirit. Would you help us be aware of what you're up to in and around us? We surrender. Amen. Hey, uh, this, this series exposes hard things, right? And so our prayer team is available in the back. There's space for you. If you are at a spot where you're like, I'm ready, <laughs> sign me up. I've been doing this thing alone. It's not working. I'd encourage you. Just don't leave this room without praying. If you're new to Mosaic, welcome. (laughs) Uh, There's an info booth out in the foyer. We'd love to meet you, get your name before you leave. As well as if you're in a small group and you're looking for, how do we apply this in the living room? Um, At Booth C, there's Life Healing Choices books available. And it can make for some killer moments in the living room this year. So uh, and even if you're not in a small group, grab one of those and join a community because you can't do this alone. May we go Fellowship Mosaic peace to love and serve God. We love you. Let's celebrate recovery well.